You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your home, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host of The Art of Parenting. And today I have a guest all the way from Northern Ireland, Ted Conway, who is the author and founder of Fred, Ted and Company uh, blog, where she shares a lot about her life in Northern Ireland with two little ones, two furry ones, and a whole slew of other things. So I'm excited to have uh, Ted on the show today. And Ted, a big welcome to you. And thank you for making the time to being here with me. Thank you for having me on. All righty. So as I like to start uh, the episodes with everybody is really asking you how you define the art of parenting. Well, every time I think I've got a definition that I'm confident with, something changes in my children or in my life or in our family circumstances, and I end up having to redefine it. But a few things that I think take parenting from being a provision of basic care up to artful parenting would be communication and um, everything we do from the love we show our children to the games we play with them you know it's all based on communication and when we're communicating with our young children especially we're constructing not just their identity but the world they live in you know everything we say to them informs who they are and the world they feel like they're living in so our words are identity forming and i think we can use them very powerfully in our children's lives. So I think if you're communicating effectively and you're communicating respectfully and compassionately, then you are artfully parenting. And I think the other thing which makes a big difference is the ability to be reflective in your practice. And so the ability to look at what you're doing and think, well, why am I doing this? And what's the effect it's having on my children? And am I being intentional when I'm doing this or am I being reactive? And to just be compassionate and communicate constructively with yourself about what you're doing and why you're doing it. I think that makes a huge difference. And then with that, I suppose, would be balance as well. So I used to think that parenting was all about the child and it was something that we did, you know, um, it was only relevant to our children, but actually so much of parenting is addressing our own needs and meeting our own needs that we can show up for our children with plenty rather than, you know, depleted and depleted. And, and stressed and looking for something from our children. So I think that's been the most revealing thing to me in the last 18 months, you know, as I've welcomed Indy into our family is that, you know, if you're only parenting for your children um, and it's something that you're doing separate from yourself, then you're going to burn out really, really quick and it's going to be, it's going to be more challenging. So I suppose they're the two or three things, communication, reflecting and balancing. Beautiful, beautiful. And I think your that that last piece is so, so important for parents to know that it's not 
just about the children. It's about your your well-being, because how can you be, you know, an artful parent if you're completely depleted? So, so very, very good point. Yes. Uh, Wonderful. So tell us a little bit before, you know, before we get too much into our conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you came to to do the work you're doing, because you you do share a lot about kind of your day to day and your your thoughts on parenting and just your you're full of, um, you know, very good uh, kind of tips for parents who follow you. How did you come about to do all this work? Okay, well, I was a Montessori child, so I was in a Montessori school from the time I was about two until I was nearly 10. So that gave me a really good sort of insider's guide to Montessori. Um, And then I went into mainstream school, went through college, university, became a children's librarian, then went there into primary school teaching, mainstream primary school teaching, and was close to horrified um, by the way we were educating and treating children in a mainstream environment. Um, it was very different from you know my experience as a young child in school and it just really, really surprised me. And very soon after I finished my training, I became a parent to Alfie for the first time. And then I became a stay-at-home parent and I think you get another insight into um, children's culture or, you know, society of children when you become a parent and again I was just horrified and aghast by (laughs) just some of the things that we take for granted that children will do you know sit quietly and um you know stop that or or I'll leave you here or I'll put you out in the car you know things like that and I was just this is happening in real life you know I thought this happened you know in books um and that's sort of why I started the blog because I felt everybody wants the best for their child obviously and you would do anything to do the best for your child but it it was very hard to find easy to apply information so everything i found was you know i had to read an awful lot and i had to know a huge amount and obviously i did a lot of reading and researching when i was doing my teacher training but then when i became a parent i was doing even more because well now it really really mattered and it was going to matter forever you know i wasn't passing these children off in nine months time to another person who'd have their influence, you know, I needed to get this right um, for the children forever. And I said, I just thought to myself, I'm used to this research and I'm used to this world of child development, but if this was something you came to raw and fresh, it would be nearly overwhelming to to have all these different voices. And so I wanted to start a blog that would be really honest, and sometimes I'm probably too honest, but to be really honest and to give really easy to apply information about Montessori and respectful, gentle parenting. Beautiful, beautiful. And, and you and, and I, I actually love your honesty. That's why I <laughs> that's why I follow and, and just your, your humor about it, too, because, you know, it's it just adding that grain of salt that it doesn't have. We don't have to take ourselves so, so seriously, mm-hmm. even though, like you say, it is it is such an important role mm-hmm. that, you know, we are influencing them for the rest of their lives. And so we do need to be mindful of that for sure. Um, And so one thing that, you know, in, in Montessori, and so 
there is an episode that talks, you know, specifically about Montessori that I will refer back for for those who might not know what we're we're talking about here. But I would love for you, Ted, to kind of just give a, a snippet of what, when you say, you know, Montessori at home, what does that truly mean for you? Gosh, it means so much to us now. Um, and I think this is the thing with Montessori, you start small with your shelves. And the more you become absorbed by it, you start to expand it into so many different ways of, or so many different aspects of your life. So um, obviously it has influenced the practicalities of our home. Um, so the way we have laid out our home, the furniture we have chosen, um, the things that we have positioned around our home. So the practical side of things, our garden as well is you know, designed and laid out for the children. We have a sensory garden with a veg patch where everything is taste safe and where everything is designed to stimulate a different sense. Um, so that's one aspect that it affects is that physical practical side. The other side then, and I think this side matters a huge amount more, is the is the emotional interactions or the, the way we communicate with our children um, and equally the way we communicate with each other. So we are always mindful that our children are independent people completely separate from us. And, you know, we have the golden rule is the common thing. Oh, treat others the way you would like to be treated. Well, actually treat others the way they would like to be treated. Um, (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a big significant difference there, but I think that's the main thing that for me is Montessori. It's not about the shelves anymore and it's not about the the children's kitchen. Those things are hugely important. Of course they are. Um, But I think you can do Montessori without them. Um, you know, and it's in the way we talk and it's in the way we offer choice and it's in the way we are aware of consent. Um, yeah, it's in everything now that I'm trying to, to define it. I'm it like, is, oh, it is. Yeah. I can't yeah. Down to, to what it is, but it's in everything. Yeah. For me, for me, I mean, it, like you say, it goes way beyond the, you know, what we see as Montessori activities and, and yeah. things, and some of them can be, you know, cute and pretty and all of this, but it it's, goes so, you know, so far beyond all of that. And and for me, so far beyond the educational principles, too, that, that you know, Montessori has, has come to be known for. Um, the other day, I was actually talking to a parent and uh, I was, you know, mentioning Montessori and she goes, oh, well, my child is too young for, for education. I was like, well, that's, uh, <laughs> let me reframe here. <laughs> so, so, so yes, it's really about just understanding human development and understanding the role that we play in it. Yeah. And I think the last thing would be the freedom as well. We are children have a lot of freedom. Um, and, you know, I would have thought that would have resulted in maybe wildness or chaos, but the freedom of Montessori is wonderful because, you know, it just enlivens the child into this whole new way of being. Um, so, yeah, the freedom is a big thing, too. So I think when you say freedom, you might be scaring a few parents. <laughs> um, so let's talk about that. Like, what okay. does what does freedom mean? Because we, we often talk about freedom within limits. Yeah. So are you saying that your child are just free to climb all over the furniture and throw food and do whatever they want? Oh, or yeah, of course. what are you? De- <laughs> what are you? What is your definition of freedom with your two children? And, and how old are your two children? So Indy is our youngest. She's just turning 18 months and Alfie is our oldest. He is 
three years and like four months. Okay. So, yeah. So when, when you say freedom, more freedom, what does that mean exactly in your home? Okay. Well, firstly, when you say freedom to parents, as you say, they all go uh, and gasp and think, oh, I don't want, you know, really free children, as you say, throwing things around. And we think immediately about discipline when we think of freedom. Right. So we immediately right. counterbalance it and revert back to, you know, the typical parenting that maybe we were raised with or educated in school with of, well, how do I stop too much freedom? Um, but very rarely do we have to intervene and say, okay, the freedom has gone too far. Um, so things like, you know, do you ask, do they throw food? Of course not, because, you know, that's not a constructive behavior. So if I see the children doing something that's, that they don't need to do, so no child really needs to throw food at a table or in a restaurant. If they want to see what a splatter looks like, well, then we can paint or we can throw water bombs or we can fulfill the mm -hmm. another way. Um, but if I see, trying to phrase this now, if we, if I see not freedom being abused, but if I see um, something that's not constructive or that's, that's not fulfilling the need in a constructive way for the child, then that's when I would step in. So maybe climbing on the sofa, does it matter if a child climbs on the sofa? Well, no, not really. So I might say you're on the sofa and you're still wearing your shoes and Alfie will then immediately go, oops, and he'll take his shoes off. Um, and then he can climb on the sofa. And if he, if he pulls the cushions down, then when he's finished, I'll say, oh, I see the cushions are still on the floor. Um, and hopefully he will help me put them back up. Um, but a lot of the things that we think of as negative with freedom, like maybe climbing on the sofa, you know, when we scan back and say bigger picture, does it matter? Well, no, not really, because we can put the cushions back on. Um, if it's something that I don't like him doing, my husband doesn't like, you know, that our bedroom duvets being pulled off and cushions being thrown around the room because to him that's his bedroom he likes to have a child free room and um, so in that case I'll say to them okay guys let's go and play in your bed you know and we'll move out of that zone and of course you can have limits within freedom um otherwise right. not freedom <laughs> right exactly exactly and 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 I just wanted you to touch on that because I know sometimes you know especially Montessori gets a bad rap of, of yeah. oh yes it, it's that thing where where children can do to you know anything and, and everything and and it's kind of mayhem which to me yeah. it's quite the contrary so yeah. so yeah thank you for that yeah so recently we had an example of you know people being uncomfortable with with freedom so mm -hmm. our local children's library has a soft play area it's like a big soft play dome where children can you know climb up and read books and do whatever um so my child children who were three and 18 months and another little boy who's also three were climbing this dome and twice the librarians came over and said you know this is dangerous don't do that i don't think it's a good thing for you to climb so myself and the other mom said okay well let's move away from this area because we weren't hovering and we could very much feel that there were eyes on us thinking, you know, this is bad parenting. These children are being too free. Now the children weren't being loud. They weren't being disrespectful or, or anything like that. We were the only people in the library. Um, so we moved away and the children were then, you know, reading books and Alfie pulled a cushion from the sofa. He was sitting on to sit on the floor and read on his tummy. Um, and again, a librarian came over and just said to us, you know, it's, you can't do this you have to put the cushions back on the sofa um 
and I said, okay, that's fine. I was like, I'll be, you know, these, these cushions don't belong to us. You're, you're, you're wonderful. You're quite patient. By um, this time, I would have gone, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. well, I really wanted to, but, you know, I was, my kids were there and I was like, okay. And I said, well, Alfie, this cushion isn't ours. Can we put it up on the sofa? Um, and Alfie said, why? And I said, oh, the librarian who owns this sofa doesn't want us to move it. Um, you know, and I was possibly more sarcastic in that answer and maybe just you know, should have gone with the traditional because I said so. Um, but then the librarian told me that Alfie had thrown the cushions. Now, if anyone has watched my stories, they'll know that Alfie's not a thrower. If he had told me Indy had thrown it, I might have said, hmm, possibly. Um, but I was just, you know, and at that point I did become a little bit, okay, well, I just said, well, no, he didn't. I was watching and I was like, he didn't throw it. Um, but we put the cushion back up and, you know, we checked our books and we went. But it just made me feel so uncomfortable that and so aware of the fact that I parent differently. I don't hover. I don't correct all the time. I let them move a cushion onto the floor if they want to. Um, you know, I let three-year-olds use their body in a physical way to, you know, climb to the top of the soft play mountain. And it just made me really, really aware that it, it's still a radical concept in some places, you know, to have a child living freely in a world that's really only accepting of adults. Yeah. Yeah. And just being a child I mean it's just that's that's the thing and, and, and it's just surprising that here you are in a you know supposedly child space with a structure that is very inviting for the young child to climb and explore so why have it you know it's kind yeah. of that that whole idea of the environment that we create is 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 so important because you know, the child is, is an explorer, is a, is a born explorer. So they are going to explore. Fascinating. Fascinating. So one thing that I know we wanted to touch upon is this whole concept that we talk about, um, the, the prepared adult, like really how, you know, how important it is to really look at ourselves. Because I know for me, all the families that I work with, you know, when they, they call me with issues with, you know, quote unquote, their children, it's often, often time, let's look at what is going on for you and, yeah. and, and how you are approaching these different situations and such. So I would love for you to, to talk about this idea that we hear, especially in the Montessori community about the, the prepared adult and what does that truly mean? Well, so often when we, as you say, we come to parenting, we come with the idea that it's something we're going to do to children. Um, and we think immediately, right, well, let's start with the child. And what can I do for the child? Um, but just like we prepare our homes for children, you know, with bassinets and toys and things like that, we also need to prepare ourselves. Um, and we come to parenting, of course, from a place of I want a child and I want to create a family. And, you know, those are our desires. And then when the child arrives, you know, we're still in the I mentality of, I am going to raise this child. I am going to help it. I am going to bring him into the world and, you know, bring the world to him. But really our children are capable of doing those things for themselves. What they need is a facilitator and, you know, a companion as they do these things. Um, so for me, the prepared adult is, is very much, as I said earlier, about being reflective and about being intentional and saying, well, what am I bringing to parenting? And what is my emotional experience and what is the emotional landscape that I'm walking in that I'm going to invite my child into with me? Mm, yeah, 
And that, that is so true because the, the, you know, like I say, the manual or the instruction manual that we have for parenting is really our own childhood. It's really yeah. the, the experience that we have of it. And sometimes we really do need to take stock of that, of what we liked, what we didn't like, what we can do differently. And I think also today, it's important to note that we just know so much more about brain development and about, you know, what is going on in our young children's brains and how we can really, uh, you know, nourish that, that amazing development that's going on. Absolutely. So, yes. So what do you do like on a, maybe on a daily basis to kind of take stock of that or to, just be that 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 mindful intentional parent like do you have you know reminders do you have a ritual I mean what what are kind of the the daily things that you do to prepare yourself for this amazing role um well I suppose on a day-to-day basis it would vary um but one of the things I did which kind of had a long-term impact was um I took myself to therapy not because Mm. I had any serious problems or because I thought you know, this is, you know, I have issues or I had a traumatic past, but just because I was curious about myself um, and it answered a lot of questions about myself that I didn't know I'd been asking. Um, so doing that is actually what made me see that, you know, my children are independent, of course, you know, I came to Montessori understanding that, but what it also helped me understand was that I am independent again, mm-hmm. from my children, you know, and from my family. Um, so one of the things I do is I schedule in some time when my children can go and spend time with other family members, with their grandparents. Um, and that means that I have time. And during that time, I am not allowed to do anything related to the children or for the benefit of the children, because very often, you know, they'll leave in the morning and I'll think, oh, I have a free morning. Let me go and, you know, I'll, I'll rotate our bookshelves or I'll, you know, dust out the playroom or I'll do all these things that are for them. Um, but it's one of the new things that I've started doing is just no, we're not doing that. I'm not doing anything that's going to benefit the children. Um, and the other thing I would do... I, I, I have to interrupt you there, though, because taking that time does benefit the children. Oh, of course it does. You know, yeah. so 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 I, I, I hear, you know, you're saying like, no, no tasks oriented of, yeah. of, you know, doing things. But I love that you are scheduling this because this is what makes you show up as a better parent to them so it it is it's an extreme benefit to them yeah absolutely um and then on an ongoing basis so that's you know a weekly sort of um break um and then on an ongoing basis so throughout the day i have a couple of mindful things that i would i would try and do so um maybe affirmations that would be personal and relevant to me and that i would repeat if i'm starting to lose patience I'm starting to be frazzled or I'm starting to be tired and um you know tired and fed up and just feel like oh, I do everything for this family which you know isn't true and I always think when I have that feeling you know it comes from a place of okay I haven't been meeting my own needs um you know so I have a couple of affirmations that I use for times like that um and one of the big things we do is we go outside an awful lot um and that's one of the things that you know, I noticed I needed. So I feel, you know, like a little chicken when I'm cooped up in the house too much and I have to. And so that's one of the things I've scheduled in on a daily basis for us. And you have and you have 
property to to tend to too you have this beautiful yeah. garden and animals and and all of that so that makes it just all that much uh better too yeah. it gives yeah. the place when you work on the right side mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you mind sharing one of these affirmations because i think it would it might help i mean in in i understand if you don't but it, yeah, no, that's it fine. okay so maybe one of the impatience ones if mm-hmm. i'm Part of um, the journey of being a parent, you know, is is speaking to yourself the way you'd speak to your child. So I can be quite critical of myself, um, you know, and if I'm feeling impatient, I'm, oh, gosh, you know, this is really bad. I'm doing a terrible job and I need to be patient. So changing that narrative into something that's gentle to myself and that's accepting of, of myself um, will obviously, you know, create a more positive environment for me to parent in as an individual. So one of the things I might say is, um even though I am finding this situation challenging, I am a patient and loving parent and I'm getting better at showing that every day. So something really simple. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. But so important because it's true that that self-talk, we tend to be so hard on ourselves. Like, would we really talk to our, you know, partners or our children the way we talk to ourselves? So so that's a very good awareness to have of, of how how we can change that dialogue. Wonderful. Anything else that you want to add to the prepared parent? Um, Um, I really do think that a lot of being a prepared parent is being aware um, and is being aware of your your background and your experiences and um, knowing yourself really, really well so that by the time you come to a child, you're seeing the child. You're not seeing the bits of yourself you like. You're not seeing the bits of yourself you don't like. You know, so you're completely aware of yourself and you're completely accepting of yourself so that when you come to the child, you see the child and you see their potential and you see, you know, the little adult within them. Mm, yeah, so true. The adult in the making. Beautiful. Yeah, Beautiful. I- into, you know, a quick interview or a grid post on Instagram, but because it's such a long process. Um, and it's such a raw process as well. And it's obviously so different for, for every person. Well, and it's a it's a lifelong process. Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you're, 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 you're constantly, you know, I'm in a totally different season of, of parenting uh, than you are. And I'm, you know, I'm evolving as well. Like I'm, I'm growing. I now have two young adults and it's a completely different, um, you know, relationship conversation and and everything and and this is you know this to me is like for me the art of parenting is coming to a place where you are actually having conversations with young adults that you actually enjoy being with and that you really want to have conversations and spend time with that you're really enjoying their presence and enjoying seeing who they're becoming uh, yeah. in that in the, in a very independent way excuse me yeah. I really look forward to that. I really look forward to having, um, you know, I, I don't really believe that you can be friends with your children when they're this age, but as they get older, you know, having children that I would choose to be friends with. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Young adults who are you, who are, yeah, just enjoying being with, like, it's not a, you know, it's not a burden or, or anything of such sort. And they, they have the kind of the life skills that you had hoped they would have and and it's it's beautiful to see Um, (laughs) excuse me it's really exciting you know that thought that you know that this is coming it's it's 
It is. It is. Um, just to, to shift a little bit because of your background in uh, literacy and being a children's uh, librarian, I would love if you could touch a little bit of how you go about choosing quality books for your children that you bring into your home. Because I think that is something to me of great value of, you know, the reading to our children, giving them proper language, but also just proper, um, how would you say, just proper image of what the the world is about and and such. So uh, if you could touch on that, I would be really helpful. Well, um, I suppose the criteria that I use when I, I pick my children's books is and it's very divisive talking about, you know, Montessori approaches to literature. But for me, I tend to choose realistic books, the books that could feasibly happen. Um, I like to pick books that are child centered, so that would realistically happen in the child's life. So things that my child can relate to. Um, that's probably my first criteria um, would be realistic child centered books. The second thing would probably be beautiful. I love books where you can see the artistic process. Um, you know, so digitally illustrated books are fine, but hand illustrated books where you can see brush strokes, where you can see, you know, paint blobs, where you can see maybe paper mache techniques, they are beautiful. And I think they really awaken something in a child. Um, the next thing I usually look for would be diversity. So literature, even adult literature, you know, I did a, an English degree before I did my teaching and, you know, it's a bit pale, stale and male, isn't it? So I try to give my children books that reflect the world they're going to live in. Um, so books that are diverse, which have children from all different backgrounds, children from all different colours, um, children of different religions, because, you know, ultimately I want my children to be citizens of the world and they need to see what the world is like. Um, there's so many books which are just about you know middle class white little boys and girls who live in the suburbs um, and I'm sure that would bore children eventually the other yeah, thing I, yeah. I like to look for is so what have I said realistic beautiful um, diverse and rich in language as well I'm a big fan of having a lot of rhyming books especially for children and um, it's really important for their phonics development I think to to have fun language um, uh-huh. so not all of our fiction rhymes but you know I would say about a third of it rhymes because I, I do think it really matters um, but yeah I think your books need to be really well written um, because children appreciate art and they're far more discerning than we give them credit for um, and very often I'll be reading a book to Alfie and he's three now so he's started to get you know slightly We've started to have some chapter books with him and we started to introduce a little bit of Beatrix Potter because to me, he has enough animals in his life that he understands, you know, what is and what is impossible. And he has an imaginary sheepdog, Jen, who comes everywhere with us. And he'll sometimes say to me, mommy, do you know that Jen, Jen can talk? And I'll say, can she? And he'll say, but only because she's pretend. You know, so we have started to Beatrix Potter but like that the language in it's amazing and if I deviate at all or if I skip a word or use a different word he'll instantly correct me um you know and they're far more capable of absorbing beautiful language than we give them credit for so that to me is well I have a whole post on this on the blog 
Yeah. And we're giving them the foundation for language by introducing quality language. So for sure, that's very important. Well, wonderful. This this has been delightful. And I just would like to end with a little bit of a personal question. And you, you said that Alfie, your eldest, is um, almost three and a half. So yeah. if we were to go back maybe four years when you were expecting him, uh-huh. what uh, if you could go back and give yourself some advice or some wise words, what would those sound like? Uh, today, knowing all that you know about parenting? Um, I think I would tell myself, um, I think I would tell myself to trust childhood. Uh, I think generally speaking, adults are overly involved in their children's lives. And we try to mediate how the child encounters the world. And obviously, we need to do that. But you know, there can be a distrust of childhood and we can sometimes forget that childhood is the product of tens of thousands of years of evolution. Um, you know, it's it has a purpose and it has a function all of its own. You know, it's a deliberate consequence. It's not the accidental result of not being an adult. Um, you know, children have, absor- have, have absorbent minds because evolutionary, in evolutionary terms, that's what they need. They need to have this absorbent mind it's the safest way for them to get into adulthood um, and we need to trust that and we need to know and accept that children know what they're about um, and they know how to learn that we can educate them all we want but ultimately a child is going to learn what they feel they need to learn um, so I would tell myself trust childhood beautiful yes delightful Thank you. And is there anything that you would like? I mean, this this was very powerful, just that. But anything that you would like our listeners to take away from this conversation today? Um, it's tricky because every parent needs different things. And mm. no matter where you are with your preparing of yourself or preparing of your Montessori environment at home, whatever you're doing is enough for your child and if you're doing enough for your child then you can be confident that you are enough as a parent and you are what your child needs regardless of how ready your home is or how perfect your environment is or how perfect you are that you are enough for your child beautiful thank you so much ted this has been a delightful conversation and i really thank you for taking the time well thank you for having me Have I got something special for you today? Imagine how amazing it would be to get delivered right to your doorstep exactly what you need for your child's natural development. Created by my dear friend Zara Kassam, a certified Montessori teacher, Monty Kids provides a subscription-based, comprehensive, and authentic Montessori toy curriculum. I've personally set up homes and schools with Monty Kids toys, and I can assure you that they are of the highest quality and made with lots of care and love for each child that gets to play with them. With your subscription, you also get short video tutorials and guides to learn how and when to properly present the toys to your child. You even have access to personalized support classes, and a private community moderated by internationally certified Montessori educators. 
There are eight levels from birth to 36 months. That's three years of engaging, intelligent, and purposeful activities you don't need to worry about. And the best part is you can join at any time. Because we now know how important it is to start early, Monte Kids was created with the mission of helping you support your baby during the most critical years of development. Research shows that early brain development lays the foundation for all future learning and behavior. So don't delay. Check out Monte Kids on my favorite products page to learn more and get started today. I've also placed a direct link for you in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.